The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Hello and welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean Linky here, delighted to be with you and with college soccer for men and women in full swing this weekend. We will indeed make this show 100% about college soccer. We get started with Indiana University men's soccer head coach Todd Yagley, the son of the godfather Jerry Yagley, who built Indiana into the premier college soccer program. Todd, who started Indiana under his father, remember he is a former college player of the year, won the national championship as the head coach at IU in 2012, and is putting together another team this year that could add another national championship star for the Hoosiers. From there, we move over to D2 and visit with Doug Elder, who is entering his 18th campaign as the winningest head coach in the storied history of Midwestern State men's soccer team in Texas. Midwestern State starts the D2 season at number six in the country after an 18-4-1 mark last year. Doug Elder, by the way, is the winningest active coach in all of NCAA Division II men's soccer. He played at Midwestern State, and now he coaches there, entering his 18th season. He is big time and you will enjoy getting to know Doug Elder. We stay with D2 and go to the women as we visit with another member of our United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. And today it is Sierra Cardenas entering her first year as the head coach of the women's soccer team at the D2's Colorado State University Pueblo. We pop to D3 men again reminding you that men's collegiate soccer kicks off this weekend and we join Dan Wagner, a Messiah grad who enters his 16th season as the head coach of the Franklin and Marshall men's program in Pennsylvania. And Wagner has the diplomats also at number six to start the season, coming off a 15-4-4 mark last year. From there, we join Chad Waller, the director of communications for the NAIA, as he previews men's and women's soccer in the NAIA. And remember, this show will also feature top-level coaches from the junior college ranks. And we start that today with a visit from Pima Community College women's soccer coach in Arizona at the NJCAA D1 level. That's Kendra Valise, number 19 in the United Soccer Coaches rankings. That's a great show covering every level of the game, men and women. And we start with Todd Yagley, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers men's soccer team, who are number seven in the country to start the season and kick off the 2017 campaign Friday against Cal Poly. The son of the godfather, Jerry Yagley. It's Todd Yagley after this message from Team Snap. Communication, registration, scheduling. If those words make you cringe, you might need a little help managing your club or league. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on everything they need to keep their organization humming. That means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Dean Linky, happy to be with you. And I do indeed love hosting the United Soccer Coaches podcast. So grateful to Lynn Burley-Manuel, Sean Chevro, Ashley Goodrich, Kurt Austin, Rob Kehoe, Jeff Van Dusen, the entire gang with the United Soccer Coaches. And I love 
college soccer. And here we go. The college soccer season is upon us. And you think men's college soccer, you got to think Indiana. You think the godfather, Jerry Yagley. And now, just as quickly, you think Todd Yagley. Such a great coach, such a great person, had a standout playing career for his dad at Indiana. He was named the Indiana head men's soccer coach on December 18, 2009, after one year at Wisconsin, and he enters his eighth season at the helm of the Hoosier program in 2017. And just his third season, by the way, as head coach, Todd Yagley led Indiana to the 2012 NCAA title. How about that? Three years in and another star for the Indiana Hoosiers, perhaps the most successful college program of all time. We mentioned that he was a big-time player, a four-time All-American at Indiana. He was named the 1994 Missouri Athletic Club National Player of the Year. He'd go on to play some in Major League Soccer and go on to management just a little bit as well with the Columbus crew before the coaching bug drew him back to Bloomington where he was an assistant coach before heading to Wisconsin and then back again where he belongs in Bloomington. Todd Yagley, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, joins us now on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Coach Yagley, great to be with you. Thanks, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, delighted to kick off the show with you, Todd. And, of course, you open the season against Cal Poly on Friday. Best time of the year right now, Coach. It is. We're, uh, I think every coach in the country is, uh, feels the same way, that there's excitement, uh, so much anticipation. And I think we all feel like we just don't have enough time to get ready for the opener, um, being this preseason so short. But we're all in the same boat, and uh, I know uh, I know we're really excited to kick this uh, this campaign off. Well, that's a great way to start uh, our interview with you. You know, talk about what you did try to accomplish in preseason with your first game tomorrow. Well, we, we try to make we, we try to get some bullets and stay within those important areas, and you know, trying to find our strengths and weaknesses heading into the preseason. We identified those and then went right into it. For ours, a few positional uh, areas that we need to evaluate. So we had to get into to large numbers pretty quick to see where we were with a few positions in our starting rotation and certainly in our depth. Um, we worked a lot on our, our team shape, you know, how we want to defend uh, and, and kind of a, a framework of movements and uh, our attacking looks and also evaluated personnel within that, what combinations work well. Um, we have to get organized on our on our restarts, at least a framework at this time of the year, so that, that takes time. And then ultimately, within all that, we're, we're trying to see where these players might, might help us within our rotation, and um, that's where the three exhibition games in, came in really helpful for us. We did uh, experiment a little bit in each one a little differently. And we've also had some fantastic uh, you know, competition in our trainings. And we, we, get, we, we break the game down and make sure these, these young kids can uh, know the principles of the game. So we do a lot of teaching um, in small numbers in, in this first uh, seven to ten days, um, not only just for how we feel the game is broken down in those moments, but second, it's, again, it's a great evaluation for us. 
Phenomenal breakdown on the preseason from Todd Yagley, head coach of the Indiana men's soccer team. All right, Coach Yagley, I, I know your program well, but to remind everybody, you know, who you lost and uh, perhaps uh, maybe give us an idea of some new faces, uh, at least uh, what you want to share with us earlier. We know you lost the, the talented Thompson in the midfield, just an outstanding player. And we also know you'll be filling uh, the job between the pipes as well. What can you tell us about who's gone and who's coming in, Coach? Well, we lost some key starters from last year, which everyone goes through those uh, those transition moments. You know, one that we're all very familiar with, and, and it's hard to believe we don't have one in the program, is, is a Thompson. And uh, Tanner has been fantastic for us. And, um, you know, an All-American, so versatile. And he was our quarterback of our attack. And he made so much of our soccer decisions come come true. So we can move him. He was a coach in the field, and we certainly knew that would be a, a missing piece. However, I, I do feel we've been able to adjust and and, and, uh, and and do best without him with a few adjustments. That said, we lost our, our starting goalkeeper, which we had two last year. We rotated, and then we had uh, a right back. Billy McConnell had been a starter for a long time. Derek Krevins in the center back had been uh, almost a three-year starter. We lost some attackers with Phil Fives, Richard Ballard, um, two of our mainstays up in that area of the field. So we had some spots, but the good news is we had, you know, a young goalkeeper here uh, developing well with Sean Caulfield, who's who's vying uh, very well for, for the number one spot, uh, along with uh, a few freshmen, Trey Muse, who's come in and looked very sharp, uh, played with the Seattle Sounders Academy and gotten some time with their second team. So that position, we feel, is uh, is coming along nicely. And then Getting back to our attack, Tanner Thompson gone, we've added some really dynamic young players and also asked a few of our upperclassmen to take on a new role. I think Trevor Schwartz has done a nice job of filling in on the tactical piece, and he brings a lot of our attacking sequences together as a player that could play as our number 10. And then Griffin Dorsey's come in and really, really done well in a short amount of time. Really dynamic wide player. Um, you, you table that with, uh, you know, with Mason Toy, who can play as a striker, along with Thomas War. Um, those are just a few of our new faces in the attack that I think we can uh, be a little bit different in the way we do things, but similarly effective. We opened your intro talking about the Stars, the national championships for the Indiana program. Of course, you won one as head coach in 2012. As you take a look at this season, how do you set your expectations? Is it always, hey, we're gunning for national championships at IU? Yeah, it's a standing goal, Dean, and that's um, it's, it's, high, it's lofty, it's high, but we don't shy away from it. Um, the players that come in here, um, they know that, um, so we don't need to sit down and in one of our first meetings, they say, okay, guys, what are you here for? It's They know. Um, they're here to put on a star in the jersey. And there's a lot of small moments that come along with that. And you know, with those lofty goals every year, in, in the parody of college soccer, it's very difficult, as we all know. But I think the, the one thing that's clear is that you set them, and then we get back to daily and weekly and monthly goals within the group and that might be uh, different different things throughout the season but we have to keep them present and enjoying it um, and I think that starts with just the way we train the way that we get after our training um, the, the environment that we create in the training allows us to stay in the moment 
and enjoy it and compete and not let the the, the large goal uh, preoccupy our thoughts. Because if you're doing that, then you're going to lose sight on the on, on the moments that lead up to being able to potentially achieve that. So it's it's a balance. But yes, putting a star in the jersey is the ultimate goal. It's the um, it's the crowning moment of any IU player's time here. And you, every year we go in, we're gunning for that. I'm not going to lie, I get chills as uh, you talk about uh, the stars and what it means. And, uh, you know, this next one's kind of two questions in one because, you know, look, we set you up as well, the, the, the son of the godfather who's meant so much to the United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA. You know that as well. We'll get to that a little bit uh, later during this interview. But you played there. You were a college player of the year. You played under your dad. Your dad's still right there with you. And then you win a national championship with him watching as well. First of all, tell us uh, what you remember about, uh, you know, you went away for that year at Wisconsin and then had the chance to come back to Indiana. What do you remember about thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm coming back to where I grew up and, and how special that was for you? And then taking that special to, you know, extra special winning that national title, Todd. Well, I, you know, I've been around the program for so long. so that I've, I've been in every role. I'm a player here. I've, uh, I've been an assistant and then the head coach. So every role that I've been in, it's, you know, it, it's been so important to me because of growing up around it. And um, I respect every role that you have and I think that's that's really important. I have a the perspective from from every angle as well and so to, to be able to be the head coach, you know, is an ultimate responsibility and one that um, you know is, is, is heavy. Um, but as I've always felt in, in any challenge and in life, I mean you have to look at all the positives and opportunities that, that come with that and um, certainly the, the pressure of, of following my father. Um, if you focus on that piece, it's, it's overwhelming, and, and therefore I don't. Um, I lean on him, and he's, he's still a mentor today to all of us and, and, um, and the program, but it, just take the, the blueprint and, and keep applying it and put in your own twist on it um, as you see fit. But the reality is I see it as an unbelievable um, opportunity to continue this program moving forward. Um, the players, the coaches, were all part of something bigger, and that is never lost. So, coach, a player, um, they do their part, and if it's time to to, to move on or make a, a change with personnel or with a coach at some point, then if the program can continue on with this strong tradition, then everyone's done their job well. And I take a lot of pride in that. So we're caretakers of it now. And with that, you know, every, um, you know, every decision, um, every match, everything that goes along with that, you know, I feel uh, it affects me a little bit different than a minor coach that didn't have such an, a, a personal uh, touch to a program. Whether you played there, in this case, I grew up. Um, it's really been my my life is, is IU soccer and shaped me. So it, it, it makes you enjoy all the, uh, the, the small moments when it's good. And when they're tough, they, they, they feel a little bit more. So uh, it's, an, it's an emotional, it's an emotional uh, deal over here, but one that um, gets you up and it gets you excited every day. And that's, that's what's awesome about it. I got a big smile on my face as I think about uh, that answer, you know, knowing that uh, you're representing 
Indiana in that way and uh, representing a program that your dad built. And, and then also, you know, one of your greatest friends ever, a guy who, uh, when you won College Player of the Year, he was co-player of the year as well, Brian Mazinoff. And here he is, your associate head coach. And, you know, because this program is for coaches, right, it's the United Soccer Coaches, I, I just think it's amazing, Todd, that you get to work with uh, such a talented young man, a, a man who's one of your best friends as well. Talk about how that works. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, we, we say to our players often, you know, when, especially when you're here as a freshman, these, these might be, these will be some of the most important people in your life, um, some of which will be some of your best friends, others will be important people. In this case, I've known Brian since I was 13 or 14, and we went into IU knowing each other, played at IU, and I went to the crew and had a long time there as well. And, you know, the, the most important piece, you know, with any team and, and coaching unit is trust. And with with Brian, it's it's 100% trust. And everything we do is for the good of the program. And he's phenomenal what he brings. He um, is selfless as they come. Um, one of the, 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 the nicest and most sincere people you'll meet. And, you know, for, for Brian, he doesn't, he doesn't need to to have a final say or be have the ego never gets in his way of boy I wish I could you know be the head coach I think he just knows his contributions are are huge and important and he knows that that stamp is going to make us better and he he does a phenomenal job um, I'm really fortunate to have him and um, you know the other assistants I've been able to work with but Brian is a special one and the one that you know I use been fortunate to. To have and as a player, and now as an, uh, an assistant. Your dad's uh, affiliation with the United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA, has been very special, and I know you recognize that as, as you also are, are at the convention every year. What has the organization meant to you and your family? One of my first experiences as uh, I was in either middle school or I think it was middle school. I went to the to the the, the convention, and it was overwhelming because of the, I get to meet a lot of people through the years coaches that I've been introduced to um, being around that value program and it just kind of blew me away to see one how everyone is connected um, in different ways and seeing that through my father's lens was pretty cool because because of how many things he's done in the game um, to see a you know a high school coach or a youth coach from a different part of the country come up to him and talk about an experience they shared together a player that maybe came to IU um, you know, the, a coaching friend of a friend who would come up and, and say, hey, I really appreciate everything you've done and you've influenced this person who has influenced me. I mean, it, it just it, it just snowballs. And I get to see that at a young age. And so every year I go, um, and certainly I've been going on a regular basis ever since I, I was uh, in the coaching ranks, I, what I've taken away, what I've learned, um, the people I've met, it's, it, to me it charges me every year. When I leave, I'm more excited. Um, I take some ideas away. I typically go back and I start getting to work on some things that that, that were churning during the, the two or three days that I was at the convention. And and ultimately, you realize that that we're in a we're in a business that that people are very important. Um, relationships are important. Um, it's it's the heart and soul of coaching. Um, we teach, and relationships are a big part of that. And to be able to spend time with, with other coaches of all different levels, I think, is really important. So that's really shaped my family. It's certainly shaped me. 
and uh, it's always the highlight time to, to go and spend time with those folks and and the, the, the association continues to to make a big impact on coaches all over the country in so many ways so big impact on our family we got to rack that right there we got to end it right with that answer fantastic and we got to go to work right because the indiana hoosiers start on friday against cal poly and i'll tell you folks on september 8th it's indiana maryland i'll have the call with bloomington's own chris doran on the big 10 network cannot wait indiana featured four times on national tv three on the big 10 network one on espnu against michigan state the hoosiers todd yegley kicks off our show coach good luck we'll see you for that maryland game thanks so much for all you do and really appreciate being with you today thanks steve thanks for everything you do appreciate it here's the deal you meet any member of the yagley family his dad jerry the godfather his mom marilyn his wife his boys all of them absolutely wonderful people all right what a great way to start the show coming up another big timer doug elder the winningest head coach active head coach in d2 men's soccer he leads the midwestern state men's soccer team in texas and he's up next CAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Join in the month of August and save $15. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Now, here's Dean. United Soccer Coaches podcast rolling along. I want to thank the great Todd Yeagley, head coach at Indiana, trying to chase down yet another national championship at one of the most prestigious soccer programs in the country. Speaking of prestigious, how about the job Doug Elder has done? He enters his 18th campaign as the winningest head coach in the storied history of Midwestern State men's soccer in Texas. And by the way, the winningest active coach in all of NCAA Division two, 18 years in a row. And here you come, Coach. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Number six to start the season, according to the United Soccer Coaches preseason rankings. Do you pay attention to that at all now that uh... – uh, No, I, I used to when I was a younger coach because I thought that meant something. <laughs> but that's usually uh, how you finish up. And, you know, we had a great run last year. And uh, uh, I guess in the last two years we've lost five games. And so we've had a good two-year run. And, and they kind of give you some respect from what you did the season before and kind of leave you there. But we've been there before. I remember going to number three and then we lost two out of our first three games and we were like number 70. <laughs> So the rankings are there for now, but we all know that they don't last long, so I don't put a lot into that. Great way to put it. As we just said uh, in your open here, the winningest active coach in all of NCAA Division II. You've done an amazing job. You went to school there. You played soccer there. It must be a pretty special place. Tell us what makes Midwestern State University so great, Coach. Well, it's kind of funny because you know a lot of people, when you say Wichita Falls, they think of Wichita, Kansas. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here in North Texas, two hours north of Dallas and two hours from Oklahoma City. So we're, we're at a good location. It's kind of like a lot of people, when they come here on visits, we get a lot of Texas kids, you know, because we're Houston, Dallas, Austin area. And they come on our campus and they're shocked. I mean, we, you know, there's campuses with 2,000 students and we have about 6,000 students. And, 
you know, we've had a great program for, for 45 years, and, and I think we've only had a total of like three losing seasons in the history of the entire program. So it's a it's a great soccer pass, great soccer school. We have our own stadium. We have a, a, a very nice redone locker room with a lounge area and graphics everywhere, and it's it's really shocking to a lot of people when they get here because a lot of them don't even know where Wichita Falls is. <laughs> but when they get here, whether they fly into Dallas and we get them or they uh, come up to our campus, they're pretty shocked to see how progressive it is. And it's a, it's a beautiful campus in, in a nice little town. And, you know, we have about 100,000 people in the town. So it's a, it's kind of, I call it a, a Texas best-kept secret. And, and once we get kids on campus, um, they're, they're very uh, impressed with what we have to offer the, and them and their parents. So we're, 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 we're happy with what we have, and we're heading in the right direction. Now, Coach, when you started at Midwestern State, you played for Howard Patterson. That was, uh, looks like, 81 to 84. And back then, they were NAIA. You led your team to two national runners-up in 82 and 83. And also on this program, we'll hear from the NAIA. So talk about uh, that conversion as well and uh, your playing days. That's a pretty good run right there. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. A, I had a good career here as a player, and uh, you know, back then, the NAI was very big. There was over 400 teams in the NAI back in the 80s. So it was a, you know, you had a lot of. That's when a lot of foreign kids were coming over, and it was easier to get them eligible for the NAI. And the NAI was bigger than the NCAA. It was pretty interesting to have all those players to play against, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. And we, you know, it was, it was sad, of course, to lose in two finals. But uh, you know, they—I think they went on a 16 or 17-year run where they made the tournament every year. So very, very successful in the NEI, uh, and, and and fun playing days to be back at the field where I played at the coach is pretty interesting. You bounced around professionally a little bit too, right, coach? Yeah, it was kind of kind of funny because my brother played. Jimmy Elder played um, for uh, I think it was the Dallas Tornado, and then uh, he moved to the Houston Dynamo or Dynamos. Going into my senior year, I went there as a, as a reserve player just to. Uh, I couldn't play because it would have messed up my eligibility, but I trained with him, and I impressed the coach, Gary Henley, at the time. And uh, he said he wanted me back after my senior season, so it was pretty. It was a pretty good opportunity for me after I finished my se- senior season to go back and play for the Houston Dynamos for a year. It was in 85, I believe. And uh, there wasn't much of a league back then. It was between the NASL and the MLS Times, and you know there was probably 10, 10 teams in the league, and you played everybody once, and you know we had a game against the national team, and played against uh, Roy Wagerly and Tab Ramos and some of the some of the greats from the game. So it was it was a fun time in my life, but uh, I realized then there wasn't much of a league, and the pay wasn't the greatest, and the benefits weren't the greatest, and uh, so I decided to to head into the coaching ranks because I had my teaching certification, and I thought you know what, let me do some high school and some club and some ODP, and just went from there. All right, I love that answer. I was the press officer for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team, and Roy Wagerly is one of my all-time favorites. That guy, man, he's got some flair. He's got some panache, you know, and then Tab Ramos. For my money, one of the best players to ever wear the USA uniform. Pretty pretty incredible. And now Tab, of course, big time with U.S. soccer as well. All right, so then in Houston, high school, youth, you were doing it all and having great success. Tell us about that. Yeah, I started up at North Shore High on the east side of town in Houston, and I was there for three years, and that was a real challenge because I had never, you know, it was my first year of coaching, and that's when I started to work on my coaching licenses. I actually coached here in Wichita Falls when I was a player because uh, I knew I kind of wanted to do that. And then uh, back in the day when you played professionally, you were able to skip some of the licenses, and I started off with my C, uh, and then I got my B in Fresno and my A in San Antonio. So uh, I had my A license with the USSF by the time I was probably 
25. And uh, so I was doing some club on the side, but mostly high school. You know, I had three years at North Shore, and then I went to – we had some success there with, I think, two district championships. And then I went to Clear Lake for, I believe, 11 – no, 12 seasons, and we won district 11 times and a couple trips to the regional, never made it, never, never won state, but we had some good runs. And, you know, we were up there on the – you know, on the south side of town, over near NASA, and had a lot of smart kids, and we, we you know, we gave it some good runs. So, uh, successful, uh, fun high school and club, and then I did some coaching with uh, ODP, and then of course I was a staff instructor with South Texas soccer for for quite a while. So it was a, it was hard for me to leave there, but I, I needed to progress and move on and and go on to the college level when this job came open. In 2000, in April, uh, I got a call from the president of the university who watched me play here and said he'd been following my career, and he thought I would be a good college coach, and so he he gave me a shot with no experience straight to head coach here at Midwestern. So I was very fortunate and very lucky and, and feel blessed to have that opportunity. Well, that's got to be special, right? We already touched on it. You were an NAIA and, of course, our former name, NSCAA All-American. Yeah. You won 51 matches. We talked about those two runner-ups. And, you know, right. here, here you go. You get to go back to your alma mater. That's pretty cool. It was so neat because when I first got here, now we've redone our locker room, but when I first got here in 2000, it was the exact same locker room. <laughs> and and I walked in the locker room, and I'm so used, I was so used to going back there to my locker and I just you know just for old time's sake I walked back there and opened my locker and sure enough I still had some of my bumper stickers in there uh, <laughs> on the locker and it was it was really deja vu I was just like god this is so weird and now I looked up and I realized okay I'm going to be standing on the other side of the lockers where the coach used to stand because I'm the new head coach and and then of course my first day of training walking out to the game field it just brings back that rush of memories and the tingling feeling inside and you're just like man I, I just I had some great times here and now I'm back it's just I can't play anymore I'm going to have to 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 you know be a responsible coach and you know when you're a player you have fun and you enjoy your teammates and you you know you're always the good guy and now I'm the head coach and I'm the bad guy <laughs> so it's it's pretty neat and I was very fortunate to get the opportunity and and you know when they narrowed the finalists down and they offered me the job I was I was very excited, and uh, now, 18 years later, I'm still here. Still here. A couple Final Fours last year, 18 wins, uh, second only to the 19 you had in 2008. You take those two Final Fours, you take the quarterfinal again last year, which you've done a couple times. Is this the year maybe uh, we can go get that Uh, trophy? I wouldn't say so because, you know, we we just had such a great turnover. I know we had – we're ranked high, but, you know, we have three starters back. You know, and you look at a starting 11 – you know, on the pitch in soccer, and you're talking about losing 70% of your of your firepower. So uh, I'm very, very flattered, very honored that, that the coaches voted for us to, to win the district, I mean, the conference this year. And the ranking was, you know, kind of because of what we did last year, and we've been predominantly in the top 20 every year for the last 10 years. I think we haven't made the tournament only once uh, since, I think it was 07, you know, and, and uh, that was in 2012. So uh, a lot of respect from the coaches. I, I appreciate that, and I'm very humbled by that. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm a realist, and I understand we have a lot of young players. We have 14 new players this year. So this is probably more of a an experience year for, you know, because we'll have a, quite a few seniors next year and then a lot of juniors, and hopefully they'll gain experience and, and make some waves this year in the in the Division Two, and then hopefully have a great season next year. But we might take a few growing pains. You know, we played SMU the other day, a Division One school, 
and um, you know we lost three to one, and we we learned some things, and hopefully we'll go from there. That is a perfect segue to my final question for you, Coach, because you heard me say that uh, we started with Todd Yagley, Indiana, one of the premier college right. soccer programs of all time, and you said you just played SMU. That was going to be my question. Tell us uh, about the quality of play at the D two level, and perhaps how you compare to the D one level. Yeah, it's fun. It's 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 funny because yes, because a lot of kids. You know they want to go Division One, and they think that's you know they have the Division One dream, and and then they come and see our campus, and they see you know we played in the spring. We we usually play those guys in the spring. We played Tulsa in the spring, and we and we tied them one one. Uh, we played SMU in the spring, beat them one zero. So it's it's a very you know they'll have probably a little more depth, you know. But other than that, it's it's very competitive, and you take the top. 15 teams in D2, especially the top 10, and they'll compete with, with teams in Division One in the country. And I've got a few friends that I used to coach against, uh, including Jeremy Gunn at Stanford, was at, at Fort Lewis, and I coached against him for 10 years. So so he has a great respect for Division Two because he won a national championship in D2, and he knows that there's some very, very good uh, well-organized, hard-working, quality Division Two teams. So uh, there's a bit of a gap most because of depth and maybe players, you know, that they may have 15 very good players that, that won't let the level drop, and we may have nine, and then sometimes you got to hide a couple of kids. But it's, it's you know, we, we play SMU every year, Tulsa every year, any D1s we can get a hold of, whether it's or Roberts or, you know, Missouri State, we try to play as high quality as, as possible, and we, we compete with them all. The man does not lack confidence. That's probably one of the reasons why he is indeed the winningest active coach in all of NCAA Division II. And guess what? He's going to keep on adding wins this year. A nice team. Doug Elder, head coach, Midwestern State University in Texas. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with TeamSnap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com United. Having a good time here with the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Doug Elder, the winningest active coach for D2 men. Now we switch to D2 women, but we also have the extra special bonus of also being able to recognize another member of the 30 under 30. Yes, we normally wait to the end of the show, but we're not doing that. We're going D2 men, D2 women. And a member of that 30 under 30 class is Sierra Cardenas, who is now, by the way, the head coach of the Colorado State University Pueblo women's soccer team. Congratulations on your new appointment. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, I'm super excited for the things that life has brought me in the last few months, including the new appointment and and being announced as part of the, the 30 under 30 class for this year. I mean, things couldn't get any better for me right now. Yeah, indeed. That's an impressive double for sure. Talk about uh, the process of applying for the 30 under 30 program. Well, it was my actually my third time applying, and I was fortunate enough to be selected this year. So it's it's definitely a process, I think, that you got to be committed to with, uh, with the application. They have quite a few essay questions that, that really make you think. So... Um, just being able to grow in the past few years since I decided to try to, to get involved with the program helped me kind of understand what it's about. Fortunate enough to be selected this time around. Couldn't be more more excited. Yeah, and I, I feel like you're going to be a leader in the program, right? Because uh, there are a lot of coaches that are doing some pretty neat things, but I don't think there's that many coaches that are head coaches already as part of the 30 Under 30 program. So it gives you a chance to lead, Sierra. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it's not something that I really thought about until you brought it up, but but that, you know, it makes me excited and leadership is something that I that I've been studying very heavily. So, I mean, I'm happy to step into the role, whatever the program needs. You're from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. I love that area, big time Colorado. So it's obviously nice for you to be back in Colorado. You were obviously a fantastic goalkeeper in high school. And then you played four seasons at Eastern New Mexico University. You were a two-time team captain. You hold the school record for the most goalkeeper wins in a season, most career shutouts, most career minutes played, most career games started, and recorded the most (laughs) shutouts in a single season. Six, that's twice. Talk about uh, your decision to play soccer at Eastern New Mexico. I went down on the visit and the, the small town kind of stuck out to me and really enjoyed the team when I went down to on my recruiting trip. So it just seemed like a right fit, just felt right. Um, being from Colorado, I spent a lot of time in smaller rural towns and um, in the mountains and just kind of feel at home in a small community. So ended up down there for four years and even though, you know, it was it was really, really rural and kind of very different from Wheat Ridge, which is in the Denver metro area. It was a, a little bit of a culture shock, but I wouldn't change the experience for anything. I think it was a key part of what started my coaching my coaching career because after I was done playing, I was asked to stay on for a year as an assistant there, and that's when things started to take off. Well, I know you've got a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental science, so obviously you're not doing that, right? So what? Uh, when did the coaching bug grab you? Sound like even, even while you were playing because you stayed there. Yeah, that was kind of it. You know, I I had a hard time figuring out exactly what I wanted to do, and I never fully considered coaching as a, a viable career option until I was asked to stay on that extra season, thank goodness. And that's when it kind of bit me that, hey, you know what? I think this is pretty cool. And I moved back home to Denver and – Kind of when people heard I was back, the coaching job started coming to me, and I took it as a sign that, you know, I need to I need to follow this thing, and it's turned out okay so far. All right, so give us that path. I think you were an assistant coach just for a few years, and then the last two years you were a head coach at a junior college. Once I moved back to Colorado, I was fortunate enough to join the program at Otero Junior College, which is regularly been in the top 20 national rankings in the junior college ranks. So I was an assistant there for two years. Jamie Hutchison was the head coach at that time. He was actually part of the inaugural class of the 30 Under 30 program. So that's pretty cool. I kind of got exposure to that early and saw what it was all about and always wanted to be a part of it. He got a position at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, and I was fortunate enough to take over the program and continue its success for two years as a head coach there. And this just recently in April, was able to make another move into the Division Two ranks, into the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, which is kind of a place I really wanted to be since I started coaching in the college game. So I'm still truly fortunate and just blessed and excited and keep working hard to, to keep things rolling. What do you remember about the process of uh, applying to be the head coach at Colorado State University Pueblo? I had applied to a couple jobs and I think each one I learned more about kind of what it took to, to stand off, to jump off the page. Where I was previously at Otero was only an hour an hour southeast of, of Pueblo, so I was fortunate enough to have quite a few ties within the both the local community and the, the community on campus. So I had a few connections that I think might have helped me out, you know, in the long run, people being able to speak on my behalf. Got to have the, the Skype interview, which is always nerve wracking, you know, trying to figure out the right setting and, <laughs> and things. <laughs> to get into the right mindset for that and got called to campus and got to meet with quite a few people, got to meet with the team, which is what's probably going to stand out most in my mind for a while because the team is 
they just uh, came off their best season in program history in 2016. I uh, got second in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference in their first ever national tournament bid. So they were really challenging me. Coach, what what do you have that's going to take us back? What are you going to do to get us there, to keep us here? And it was by far the hardest part of the interview, but it, it helped me to know that this was the right place for me because they, the players have the right attitude, the right mindset that I think we need to be successful. So overall, the interview showed me that it was not only a, a place that I wanted to be, but it was a place that fit what I was trying to do already. Finally, Sierra, a lot of great goalkeepers, uh, they try to get into coaching and they kind of get uh, typecast as just a goalkeeper coach. Why uh, does uh, being a goalkeeper prepare you to be a head coach? Oh, great question. Um, you know, I think as goalkeepers, we even when playing, we just spend a lot of time observing the game and, and trying to keep things organized, but also trying to figure out how to stop breakdowns from happening and watching the game and learning, and I think I think that makes a good coach just naturally. I've heard that goalkeepers make the best coaches because of that fact that they watch so much of the game. So, And not only that, but goalkeepers are kind of charged with the task of being a leader and, and talking. So when I have to yell really loud, my players call it my goalkeeper voice because i got to kind of dig and get, get my voice projected. So it helped me out quite a bit just learning about the game from the position. you got a season to focus on now, but uh, after the season, you'll have the convention, United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia, where it will recognize you and the 29 other members of the 30 Under 30 program. Real quickly, final question, what are you most looking forward to as part of the 30 Under 30? Oh, man. I mean, everything. It's it's something that I've wanted to be a part of, and the educational opportunities and being able to attend the events that the, that the United Soccer Coaches has put on has, has really just helped grow my love for the job. And, you know, we tell our players all the time, you're part of something bigger than yourself. But I think as coaches, that's really what the United Soccer Coaches helps us with, is knowing that, hey, we're something bigger than ourselves. So to be able to be more of a part of the, the association and be involved in the convention and getting to meet new people and networking and learning and growing and opportunities that this program presents with the mentorship and the educational opportunities. I think I'm just looking forward to how much I'm going to be able to grow through the whole experience. Sierra Cardenas, head coach of the PAC Women's Soccer Program, Colorado State University, Pueblo, and a member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. I'll see you in Philadelphia, and good luck this season. Make some noise out there in Colorado. Thanks, Dean. That's the plan. Appreciate your time this morning. I like her energy. Sierra Cardenas, she's strong as a member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. Up next, we move to the D3 level and are joined by Coach Dan Wagner, the top man for Franklin and Marshall men's soccer team in Pennsylvania, Lancaster to be exact. And my wife's alma mater, Leah, a little plug for you. Roll it on, United Soccer Coaches podcast. Great to be with you, everybody. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. As the largest soccer coaches community in the world, we unite soccer coaches around the love of the game. It's in our DNA. No matter where in the coaching journey you are, we help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Want 15 extra hours each week? Team Snap can help give it to you. Their customers save tons of time every week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash united. Now, here's Dean. Time now to talk NAIA soccer here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And we are pleased to be joined by, yes, a familiar voice on this program, Chad Waller, now in his 
10th year as the Director of Athletic Communications and Media for the NAIA, who featured prominently last year, and he'll get things started talking NAIA soccer for men and women. Chad, thanks for being with us. Well, Dean, thanks, and uh, the NAI soccer world and our coaches appreciate uh, you and this show and the NSCA for, for having the NAI included in all of these great shows. All right, and there you go. And now we're the United Soccer Coaches as well. It's going to take a little time, right? New yeah. name, but uh, same mission here as the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And we can't wait for your contributions throughout the year and then also the ability to talk to uh, some of your featured coaches for men and women. All right, let's get things started. Let's first talk NAIA women's soccer. How about a quick recap on last year and what you're looking forward to this year? Last year in Orange Beach, Alabama, was our national championship in Northwestern Ohio, won their first ever women's soccer title. And really, they're loaded again this year, Dean, with the player of the year and Camilla Anderson. She scored 35 goals last year. She's uh, expected back and just ready to reload and looking for uh, a repeat of the title. So Northwestern Ohio, um, and also I'll mention Spring Arbor. They were the runner-up last year. They won the title two years ago, so they're expected to do some things again in the NAI women's soccer world. Looking at your preseason rankings for the women, uh, give us a highlight on your top five teams. I'm sure those two are also in there. Yeah, so Northwestern Ohio um, starts off the year as the preseason number one. Uh, Spring Arbor, runner-up, number two. And then a couple other teams there to mention, Vanguard uh, at number three. You know, they're no uh, stranger to our coaches' poll. They've been ranked in every straight poll since the 2012 season, so they're expected to do some great things. And, and another team to mention, number four, Benedictine, same thing with them. A uh, very strong program. They've been ranked um, every poll since the middle of, of 2013. So a lot of great teams and a lot of great action starting out for NAI women's soccer. All right, let's switch to NAIA men's soccer. Recap last year and look to this year. Last year in NAI men's soccer, Hastings College out of Nebraska, uh, won their second ever title. They defeated Rio Grande by a one nothing score. Really, Hastings is, has been a, a strong program. They've been to the national tournament uh, each of the last several years. They are expected to be a strong contender again for the title in 2017. They expect back the player of the year as well for their men's program, Daniel Whitehall, who scored 34 goals last year. You know, Like I said, runner-up Rio Grande, always a team to to um, be there at the end of the year, number two preseason ranking for the Red Storm out of Rio Grande. Lindsey Wilson is another strong program each and every year. Lindsey Wilson owns the NAI record for most national championships in men's soccer. Another program, Oklahoma Wesley University, is normally has a really strong regular season. They're in a conference that they seem to uh, really dominate. They traditionally have made our postseason. And then Baker University, another strong program in the top 10, preseason top 10, that we keep our eyes open on. Tenth year in this role, you obviously love what you do, and i got to believe you love what uh, NAIA athletics means to these young men and women. Definitely. It's great to uh, really work at a national association where you get to be a part of the best of the best, meaning be a part of the national championship experience. I've, I've worked men's or women's soccer and, and uh, done marketing for the national championships each of my 10 years and just loved it. If I could make a couple mentions about our championship venues, Dean, it's, it's great to see that we've got commitments from our national championship hosts in these two sports, women's soccer has been Orange Beach uh, each last five years. This will be their sixth year, and we've got a commitment from that community to host our championship for women's soccer through 2020. So great location, great venue. The SEC Women's Soccer also has their conference tournament there. 
So it's a great venue, great pitch to have NAI women's soccer. And on the men's side, 2017 will mark the fourth straight year in Delray Beach and Kaiser University, a wonderful host, one of our institutions, just makes a great experience for our student-athletes. To me, it's gratifying, it's rewarding uh, as a staffer here at the National Office to be a part of these student-athletes' experience and just try to enhance that by marketing and telling their story. Quick website to follow the NAI action all year? NAI.org, and of course, we're uh, very visible on social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At NAIA is, uh, is the handle, hashtag NAI Soccer. Well done, Chad Waller, 10th year as the Director of Communications and Media on the athletic side for the NAIA. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to hearing from you all year long and also hearing from the great coaches that coach NAIA men's and women's soccer. Well done, Chad Waller. Absolutely. Thank you, Dean, for your time. Next, we talk junior college and a visit with Pima Community College women's soccer coach Kendra Belize. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to us, oh, U.S. soccer, there's no period there. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. soccer, Quick Goal knows that... Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Remember, the United Soccer Coaches podcast features soccer at all levels, including the junior college ranks, and we are pleased to be joined by the head coach of the women's soccer team at Pima Community College, the Aztecs women's soccer team their head coach now in her 15th season count them 15 and it's Kendra Valise. coach thanks for being with us thank you yeah great to be with you as we love spending time at the junior college ranks as well you're getting started on your 15th season coming at number 19 in the country in the United Soccer Coaches rankings 15 years you ready to crank it up again coach we are. We're excited about this year and this season. We have a good group of returning sophomores who have shown a lot of commitment in the off season. All right, tell us a little bit about uh, your community college. It's right there in Tucson, right? Yes, it is. It's one of uh, the two soccer programs in Tucson. Of course, there's the U of A, and then there's Pima Community College Women's Soccer. All right, and tell us uh, about your path, because I understand you were born in New Jersey, and then you made your way to Tucson. Uh, when did you do that? When I was eight years old, and, and that's actually when I got started in soccer, moving to Tucson, I met some some friends that played, and, and we joined up for the team. Then where'd you go? Where'd you go to college? What'd you do? Did you play in college? I did. I went to Boston College growing up on the East Coast. I thought it might be a good idea to go back to school over there and, and play for, for school. So you actually played at Boston College. Um, that's a nice program. Yes, I was very happy with that choice. I love the school and I love the area. And we were a 20-minute uh, ride from the city downtown. And tell us uh, who you played for with the Eagles. Back then it was Therese Biancardi. And what did you learn from that coach? I learned a lot uh, just really about college soccer. Obviously, there's a growing up process. Um, going into school like that. And there was a lot of girls from, from East Coast, so it was, it was different and kind of back to my roots. It was definitely a learning process from, you know, going in as a, I was 17 when I started um, and playing against some seniors that were bigger and older, and that was where the learning began was with, 
with those juniors and seniors. What position did you play at Boston College, and uh, when did the light go on saying, you know what, I want to be a coach? Particularly, I'd like to know what your major is as well as we try to connect the dots. Well, there's not much of a connection there. I was a mathematics major, <laughs> um, and I, I actually chose that because I thought it would give me a lot of different options or opportunities. I also minored in education so that I would have the opportunity to teach if I wanted to. The coaching came just from my love of soccer, and I was given an opportunity to coach through somebody I knew, an A-licensed coach that I was hoping to learn from. Once I had my kids, it just seemed like a really good fit. Tell us about that. How many kids do you have, and what are their names? What are they up to? I have two. My son is 12. His name's Diego, and my daughter is 10. Her name is Emma, and, of course, they both play soccer. <laughs> and do you think uh, maybe college soccer's in their future as well? It's obviously a long ways away, but do they enjoy the game? It is a long ways away, and, and I think they enjoy it. Um, I've coached my daughter for a while, and I just recently have decided that it's best for her to move on to somebody else, and she, I think she's really enjoying it. What do you remember about uh, 15 or so years ago about getting the call from Pima and going after this job? Well, I actually had a full-time job as an electrical estimator for a local um, company. Love it. And I, uh, I was not sure I was going to be able to pull it off, but uh, after talking with my boss and getting the opportunity to assist under, um, his name was Chris Hawk, and he was from England, um, but he coached locally and he had a, his A license, I saw it as a really good opportunity to learn more from, from somebody with experience. So after conversation with my boss, he allowed me to have the time to be able to learn from him. Talk about uh, why you think um, it's great for these young women to be able to play soccer at the junior college level, in your case, the junior college D1 level. It uh, certainly helps shape them, right, as human beings? Yes, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things that I think junior college is, is good for, especially here in Tucson. Um, because most of our players are local. They come out of Tucson area, and it's a good stepping stone. Some of them don't get the exposure through, the, through their club and, and high school levels um, to be able to go right into a four-year school. Um, and those first two years are really, there's a lot of growing going on in those first two years. I, I call it the learning curve. Um, and it's learning to be responsible and in charge of, of themselves and um, that's one of the things that Pima promotes is is you know self responsibility and and trying to learn how to how to take care of the academics and the time management and stuff like that on their own. So I think those first two years are so important. Some are still deciding which way they want to go in life and what their major is. For me, the way I see it too, the, with the cost of schools these days, it's a really affordable option for those first two years. Indeed. You've had some great years there, though, but looking at your record, 2007, you went undefeated in the regular season. That's pretty special, Coach. What do you remember about that year? I remember a lot about those those individual players and the character that they brought. And one of the, the ways we started the season was, you know, what defines us? What is the character of this team? And I think they defined it really well that year. It's been fun to get to know you. We love spending time at the junior college level as well. Good luck, number 19, to start the season. And who knows, you get it rolling and could be there at the end, Coach. Thank you. I really appreciate you calling. And there you have it, another United Soccer Coaches podcast in the books. College soccer is happening right now. Looking forward to it. 
actually have the call for North Carolina Providence men's soccer on Friday. The North Carolina Rutgers, coached by Dan Donegan. North Carolina, of course, coached by Carlos Samuano. Great way to start the season. I cannot wait. Everybody out there, coaches at all levels, any level, united around their love of the game. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week right here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.